This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Is this like an easy topic for people? Yeah, I think it's a challenging one. I think I think most people go through their day. I, I can only speak for myself. Where if you say to yourself, what are you doing today different than you did six months ago? How many people could honestly say that it's drastically different? That you're doing something today that's drastically different than six months ago? Six months is a long time. Huh? I, I know you could. I'm saying, but no, but I, was, <laughs> I mean that seriously. I think it's very hard to like take that leap. Or how many times do we start in our life? I want to daven. I want to daven. And you daven two, three, four days, and then it's, then then it falls away, right? It, a lot of times, in order for for in order for something to to take root, there has to be like a real a real emphasis. I once heard um, Rabbi Berkowitz once said the story. He said that Rav Feinberg, that's all. Um, he used to daven. He he was in the mirror, I believe, and he used to daven like in Shtiblach, like local locally, like yeshiva daven at whatever time it was. And it was a long davening, and it was like a slow davening, and he davened locally, like in Shtiblach. And one day, he just decided he's coming to shul, he's coming to yeshiva davening, and he was there, and he was just there for like a long time. And somebody asked him like, "What changed?" And he 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 said a similar idea to this. He said that. The Rambam says um, basically that Tyra is goes into the bones of somebody that's mamus atzmeilaha that kills himself on it. So Rav Noach said, "I made a chesh ben anefesh, and I said, what is the hardest thing for me? The hardest thing for me is coming to yeshiva davening. Hard, it's long, it's slow, it's not the pace that I want." And he said, "Ah, good, that's the thing. Like I'm gonna specifically take the thing that is the hardest for me, and I'm gonna jump into it. That." Trans- that transforms a person. It's the same davening maybe here and there, maybe slightly different. But you find your challenge and you throw yourself into that challenge until that thing becomes grinding in your bones. I, I think that's the key. And if in six months from now, I mean, how many people go from Yom Kippur to Yom Kippur saying the same things every year? They just like open their machzer and they're like, wow, <laughs> look at this guy. Same guy as last year. There's nothing, nothing different. There's no change. That's because we want to just get over the hump of Charata, yada yada yada. We go through the motions and then we move on. But real change, real growth, real work is where you're going to actually see something happening a little bit different. Yeah, go ahead. We all, I think, we all do in, in our own way. Wait, speak into the mic. Speak into the mic. Speak into the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So many people, they just they do the action without the thought and the speaking of it. Like, and they're like, "Oh no, I didn't even think about that." Like, oh. I think most yeah. people are not so conscious. Maybe they're not conscious of the thought. Um. So I'm not say, "Oh, I did that without thinking." Like, why? Like, right? That's like misasik. Misasik is like you just do something without necessarily thinking. But how many times? Honestly, when was the last time you made like a big purchase? Okay, like that you maybe splurged on something. Think about how it went. It almost always goes in that in that in that way. You think about it. How often, by the way, do you? One second. How often do you think of something and think that it's crazy? You go, oh, that's crazy, and before you know, you're 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 doing it. Why? Because that's your brain's way of like kicking. Oh, it's nuts! Like I would never do something like that. Whatever. And then like you're doing it. Like what happened? I would never buy a thousand dollar coat. Then you buy it. Like, what happened? Because it's your brain's way of playing around with it, right? And then you turn to your friend and you go like, oh, it's crazy. It's, it's 
crazy, right? It's crazy, right? And then you do it. You're right. Sometimes we just jump into it and we don't realize it. But more often than not, the things that we're involved with, we do. If somebody becomes anything, an accountant or whatever, you think about it, you process it, you talk to people, and then you execute. Most people don't wake up in medical school. You know, like, how did I get here? Like, what, you know, it's usually not what happens. You, you process it, you talk about it, and then you go along. That's why it says that I'll slash the Dvarim Aymeid. Right, Taira is is your brain is learning, right? Avaida is Tfila, which is Dibor, and Gemilas Fasadim, which is action, Chasad, Maisa, right? The, that's the progression of like everything in our lives. If you look through um, Perkei Avos, you find that a lot of the threes have that element. A lot of times it says like one, two, three. Each one of them has the, the Machshava, Dibor, Maisa. Those three things comprise how most people do most actions. But you're right; sometimes they. I'm thinking it's like more the small things, like the like the small things, like okay, I have to dive in. Right, like, so you're right. I'm just gonna dive in, and you're right. It's not like a whole like thought, and that's why that's yes, like you're right. And thing. I think that that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying that you have to be conscious about your davening, and then exactly, and you have to throw yourself into. A lot into of people when they're davening, it happens to others. They're just doing it. Right. That's a hundred percent true. That is true. Okay. Were you gonna say something? <laughs> Yeah, someone just said, it sounds black and white. It sounds like you can just take a bad mita that you've had for years yeah. and you just change. And you just change? It doesn't sound real. <laughs> you take a bad mita and you just change? I think that you take a bad mita and you, you, you think about it, right? You talk about it. How could I do it differently? And then you act on it. I don't think that people change overnight. I think that there's a shift that happens. But if somebody, for example... Let's take a simple example that probably happens in every single house. People raising their voice, right? If somebody wants to consciously work on that, take a week and have in your brain a conscious thing. I'm not going to raise my voice this week. I'm going to talk like the Ramban says in, right? In, in Gerizah Ramban, right? I'm going to be very, very cautious to do that. That is somebody that will see change in their house. Their entire house will be transformed by doing that. Does that mean that overnight they can like transform their media to becoming a nicer, calmer person? No, not necessarily. But there's somebody who's working on that. You do it for another week and another week and another week. You will change yourself. You'll change how you react to things. You'll change literally the tone in, in the tone in your home. So yes, that is how people do it. I always say it's short attainable goals. You take something that has to be worked on and you focus on it. And then you slowly execute day after day after day. And you have consistency and you have a hischaivas and you have something that's a little challenging for you. And if you do that, then you will see a change. Is it easy to go from being intensely angered to just like, no, that's not easy to do. But if a person wants to actually transform something, so, so do it. Somebody, somebody needs to transform a relationship. It would be smart for them to be proactive in the relationship, correct? So what does that entail? It entails every day doing something which makes you a better fill-in-the-blank. Daughter, husband, wife, granddaughter, whatever it is. So be proactive about it. So underline that thing, have a consciousness about it, and then go ahead and execute. If a person does that often enough, they will transform. They will. It's not rocket science. It's That's how a person changes, by changing. You know? <laughs> you could quote me on that. <laughs> Okay, someone else had a question. Yeah. The punchline of the question was, um, like, what do you do when you put in the effort, but you don't see results? 
she specifically is working with somebody who's very difficult. And when she puts an effort, she yeah. sees like a small result. But that the other person is not reacting to your... Right. I mean, we need a little bit more context here. Sometimes, sometimes people are trying to change the other person. And therefore, you're seeing little result because you're trying to get them to change. Like you're trying to get them to mirror your emotion. That's not what it means to change. What it means to change is to change yourself, how you relate to that person and, and whatever it is that they have going on. Somebody has a controlling mother and they, they, they can't change that mother. It's not going to be easy to change them. What you can do is you can, you can change yourself. You can't change the other person. So I, it sounds like somebody's trying to change somebody else. Internal change sounds a lot harder, but it's actually a lot easier than externally changing somebody else. Right. I, I must have mentioned this a thousand times when I sit with a couple. So I always tell them the first meeting, feel free to throw out all the garbage about your spouse, like just throw them under the bus. Tell me how bad they are. And they all lay out everything. I say, okay, great. This is the last time we're ever going to talk about this from here on. Now, each person, we're going to focus on you because that's really the only person you can change. So the first meeting, they're like, and if they only did this and if they would have done that and if she stops doing this and if he did this, then I'll be happy. I'm like, great. Wonderful. You got it out. Good. You feel good. Okay, great. Now, would I, I would take a paper. I draw a big line down the middle. I say, okay, this is your side and this is your side. Now, we're never going to talk about that again. Now, we're going to focus for the him what he needs to focus on and for her what she needs to focus on. Cannot change somebody else. Could try. You're going to be very, very disappointed if that's how you live your life. Like a person who works on acceptance, that's a person that's going to see change in themselves as to how they relate to that person. You change your mindset, then you'll change your relationship. If you try change the person, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's going to get you frustrated. And you, and a lot of people think that they're going to get their spouse or their whoever, doesn't matter who it is in any relationship to change. Cause you say, well, if I'm calmer, then they'll be calmer. If I'm this, then not necessarily. Sometimes yes. Sometimes it does work. Like in, um, vertical relationships, it works. Like sometimes, meaning if a parent is calmer, then their ch- children will learn from them oftentimes. But in horizontal relationships, doesn't always work that way, especially people who are like developed and they have their own opinions and own mindsets and their own struggles and their own things doesn't always work that way. So if a person wants to change their spouse or, or, or whoever, no, it's not a good strategy. If you want to change yourself as to how you relate to them, that would be a good idea to take on. Follow up. Oh, you want, okay, sure. Um, no, I want, yeah, I want to follow up. I'm not trying to change the other person. I'm just trying to make it a more calm, more not so stressful the environment. Right. So I did all wh- my efforts to m- try to make it organized, but the person that I work with is just a flying and a perfectionist. So it's just really hard to work with them. So I don't see right. the results of my actions. R- right. Because Again, if you're trying to change that person's, let's call it orderliness, right? To a person who's not orderly, that's trying to change that person. That's going to result in a lot of disappointment. If, if you focus on what you can control, which is your orderliness and your reaction to that person's or, orderliness, that's where you're going to see things be much calmer. You know, every, every person that's in a relationship with somebody else who's different than them, right? One person's very structured and organized, and another person's totally not. I see this with couples all the time. Some people like they come in, they throw their keys across the room, 
it's like gone every time they're looking for it. It's, it's like peekable. Like, where is it? I don't know. Marco Polo. They can never find it. Right. And, and the other person's like, they have their exact spot. They know where it is. It's like here. And if it's like moved an inch, they're like, where is it? I can't find it because they know exactly where it is every single time. Right. Those, those couples or those people in those relationships could fight with the other person. So you're so disorganized and this is ridiculous and I can't live like this. I can't work with you. Or you could say, I love you. I care for you. I cherish you. You do things your way. I'll do things my way. And at the end of the day, let's see if we can come to a working relationship one in the next. And sometimes it is challenging. Sometimes it's part of a person's avayda to be able to, to, to accept another person and to work along with them and to actually really respect them. But if you're trying to change the way another person operates, that's going to be very, very hard. Listen, in, in my office, I'll just give a very general um, uh, statement, right? We have many different personalities. Some personalities are extremely, like some desktops and desks are like extremely organized. And some people don't go 15 minutes without spilling a coffee on something else, right? Whatever, whoever that, whoever those people are, right? They just, that's how they operate. You can't start yelling at a person every time they spill a coffee or all you'll do all day, all, all day is screaming at a person who's spilling a coffee. That's how they operate. No, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Here's my papers, other papers, the other things. They operate that. In their sphere, it works. They get the job done, but they have 4,000 things open on their, on their desktop. You don't know, like, there's 800 tabs open and then there's 46 PDFs, things open. That's how they operate. They, 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 they love that. There's a certain dynamic to that. Other people are not like that. And they each have their strengths and their limitations and their malice and their chasarinas. And each person has to play to their strengths and accept other people for their strengths, even though their strengths are very, very different. And when they conflict, that's where you have to be able to have the acceptance and the respect to be able to work along with somebody else. I don't think it's, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that it's part of a person's avayda of being in a relationship is understanding that people are very different than them. No? <laughs> you want to say something? Yeah? Yeah. It affects me on a daily basis. It's not like her personality affects me on a daily basis. Like, so what should I do? Okay. So we'll give you my email, like, you know, an email address will speak offline, but I think that there's a dynamic that has to be configured that it works two people working who are very, very different personalities. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying there's a solution like this. I'm saying that a person who's trying to change another person, how they operate and, whether they're organized or disorganized, that is going to be a person that's going to be very frustrated. There has to become an acceptance as well as understanding how to work along with the person. That's what I'm saying. We'll talk more offline. Okay. We'll send you my email address. We'll, we'll move more offline. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Go ahead over here. Okay. So I'm not sure how to ask this question, but how does it, how do we like, I guess, make sure that we don't fall into like, shame or like in ourselves when we're working on something so when we're working so hard on something yeah and and we end up almost beating ourselves up that we're not yet at the place that we yeah to be. that that is that is such a spot-on question when a person's working on changing themselves or let's call it a relationship right watching something grow and develop how does a person not have it could be shame resentment disappointment that like wait i'm striving for here but i'm i'm short of that so how do i not the answer is acceptance you you accept who you are today and then 
when you push that needle forward, then you accept and then expect. So I would say those two things have to go hand in hand. If there's just an expectation without an acceptance, then it's not going to work. So the first baseline, I, I hear this, I'll use couples as an example, because that's like my primary, you know, um, folk, you know, like where, where I sit with couples is a lot of times, let's say a couple will come in, we're married 20 years. Okay, fine. So I'll say to them, great. I understand your marriage. Here's what your marriage could look like. You want to get that? And they go, yeah. And then inevitably one of them turns and goes, oh my gosh, why are we not there? You're terrible. <laughs> like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll realize like we're missing out on life. Like, and I always say like, let's first have a baseline, right? Every medical, you go to a doctor, first thing they always do, let's order blood work. Let's have baseline. Baseline is where we are. Now we know where we are. Now we could build from here. If you can't accept baseline, so then you, your whole life is going to be disappointment. So yes, would it be perfect if every one of us got up in the morning and was dancing on a mountaintop in Sfas overlooking Meiron and just seeing Roshim Bayochai, you know, in the clouds? It would be amazing, but we're not there. So it, it, we have to accept who we are in our lives and our, our shortcomings and our limitations. And then at the same time say, but now how do I have a short attainable goals? The key word is also attainable. How, how often do people say, I want to have that person's life or be on that person's level? That's not possible. You have to look at yourself. If you look at somebody else, you're always going to be disappointed. So a real acceptance of who you are is a great starting point. Now, that doesn't mean that you accept and then you you turn off the tap. You accept and then you expect. And if you go in that you know, progression, then a person will actually see themselves actually changing. I don't think anybody looks at themselves looking back, let's say, from where you are today to eighth grade and goes, oh, you know, she was a failure. You were, you were in eighth grade. That's who you were at that time. When you're in 12th grade, you progressed along those lines. So where you're holding today, have that acceptance. Where I am today is a combination of all the years of my life, all the experiences of where I you know, went through in my life. And, and I accept that. And that's good. That's great. I accept who I am. But now, in order for me to go to the next stage of my life, I'll go from there. And I think that what you're hitting on is a very deep idea is that people expect to change with time, with age. They think, well, I'm 25 years old. By the time I'm 30, I'm for sure going to, whatever it be, I'll be calmer, I'll be wiser. That's not true. A person who sits around and is stagnant and you don't challenge your mind, your mind goes stale, right? If people get older and they don't have that like stimulation of like of the brain or of the emotion, what happens? You, you become very stale. So in order for a person to actually grow in any area, they have to be, they have to be challenged and they have to rise to that challenge. I once had a person who was very, very angry. Uh, he was in his 70s. And he kept saying to me over and over, you realize like, I'm 75 years old. So being 75 years old, I, I have to be right. Like he kept going over, I have to be right. I'm 75 years old. But this was an angry, bitter person. At one point I said, you know, I'm really sorry to tell you, but in my mind, age is an opportunity. An opportunity for growth, an opportunity for change, opportunity for development. And clearly, unfortunately, you missed all those opportunities. You're just 75 years old. You're an old, bitter person. Doesn't make you right just because you're older. There's an opportunity here. Every day, every, every, every year is opportunity for growth and for change. It does not happen automatically. Adarab, it doesn't. If you don't put in that work, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to attain anything. You'll just be older and, and more bitter and more angry and more jealous. These things don't go away. I once had a woman in my office in her 90s, in her 90s, came to my office, and I'm going to go into too many details. Um, she was she was jealous of a neighbor. 
I'm talking pettiness, pettiness, things that like you can't even begin to imagine. I was like, why? Like you're 92 years old. And like you're, you're jealous of your neighbor or whatever. Like, what are we talking about over here? It doesn't even make any sense. Like, like where's the where's 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 the where's the bubby who's 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 happy to see her grandchildren and where's the the pettiness and the bitterness like where does that come from it comes from 92 years of not working towards something it comes from expecting your life to change without you changing expecting it to just happen automatically does not work that way cannot accomplish anything that way your life will not change you have to change i'll say it again like you know how you change you change that's how you do it. You put in the work to actively change and challenge yourself and break a sweat and do something that's hard over and over and over. And then you actually, you see, you see a difference in yourself. Take, take a microphone. Yeah. How do things change? They change. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's, it's very good. It's very good. Right. And what, think about what you're saying from chemistry. I remember chemistry. I got like a 67 on the region. I think you needed like a 66 to pass. It was by the skin of my teeth. Um, it was, it was a very close call. Don't, I don't remember anything, right? But what's, what's the idea behind it? Is that you take different items, right? And whether they bond or, or what's the other word? You teach this, <laughs> right? Right? Exactly. Meaning you add things which actually have the elements of change in it and then they change and they become something new. Exactly. Very good. <laughs> Okay, anything left or one more question? Okay, let's do one more question. Okay. Um, any tips on how I can work on myself to accept the person in my life that I'm having difficulty with? Yes. How does a person work on accepting somebody in their life that they're having difficulty with? First of all, I, th I think there's many, many, many tips over here. Um, many tips. I think let's start slow. Number one is realize that this is a challenge. That's number one, and try to rise above that challenge. That's number one. Number two is realize that differences actually really help and benefit an organization or a group, um, and they will directly benefit you by having somebody who's different in your organization or in your sphere. They will directly benefit and, and not just challenge you, but also work for you. I'll tell you a very quick story. When I was learning by Robert Berkowitz's Kyle, so Robert Berkowitz's Kyle has many different personalities, like many diverse people who came to the Kyle. Um, some of them are like very, I don't want to use the word intense, but like very just like sitting and learning masmidim deep. Some are like magnificent speakers. Some are like deep into machshava. They all have like a similar thread that goes through them, but all very, very different in, in their own way. Anyways, when I came to the call, there was one guy sitting in the back of the call. I don't want to say his name. Maybe you heard of him. And he, his thing was studying personalities and he constructed this entire like personality grid based on like a person's dominant and secondary and then third personality thing. And he would literally sit in the back and he would map out each person in the call. Okay. What their personality had, it was like this, like seven different major traits. And then he would, he would say, you are this of this of this. Okay. So you could call it a number or whatever it is. I don't want to go into exactly what his system was, but it was, it was a deep system. And he literally mapped out each and every guy in the call. And then he put it like in a graph where he would say, okay, the call has 85 people. 
So he broke up like all the different numbers of people. So the cola has 13 people that their primary thing is this, four people that's this, and eight people that's that. And I remember he once had a, a long conversation with the administrator of the kolo, and he was telling him, he said, you know, the kolo is weak on this and this mida, meaning it would be very wise for you to put in like two guys that are going to do nothing for Kala Yisrael, but they're very intense in their learning. You should have one guy who's like a dynamic speaker because he'll add this to the group. And you should have three guys. And he literally would tell him like, you know, these, these guys left and this is what you need to replace them with in order to like really have like the dynamic of the cola. And he was really right. He was really right. And, and when they would do their acceptance thing, you would think this guy is perfect for the cola. He was, but there was another 17 guys like him. They didn't need him. They needed a different personality within the group. It sounds funny, but. There's a re- there's a real reality to that. Any group that has everybody exactly the same, you know, think about an accounting firm. You need your guy your guy who knows international tax, person who's a specialist in state taxation, estate taxation, forensic, financials. Like you think all accountants are the same? We're not. We're very colorful and diverse group. You know, you just have to find the the, the diversity. You have to appreciate the diversity to be able to 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 really see something grow. And I went actually. I went to a conference. There was about probably around 2,500 forensic accountants. There's like this massive conference and I went to it. I came in. Everybody had the same, like, I can't explain it. The same, the same something in them, like every single one of us. But I remember I saw one guy, one guy walked in and he was a biker wearing like leather, like the leather, like leather vest, you know, like real, like, like a real biker, like tattoos and everything. But he was still an accountant. Like he would still had that accounting thing. And then there was the guy who was like a musician, like heavy metal musician, but he was still a forensic accountant. All the forensic accountants had like the same chut that like went through them. And like when they talk, like the same nerdy jokes and the same like, <laughs> you know, like that same thing. But at the same time, there was a diversity. And, and I think that diversity is something that a person has to embrace and see how it, it lends itself to the bigger picture. And. A person who does it and really works along with respect will will see their organization, their group. They'll see it flourish. People are not like always homogenous. There, there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of structure. There's a lot of different elements that could be put into something, and a person has to focus on that. And I'll just end by saying that every single relationship, if you really break it down, everybody's different. Everybody's different. You look around this table, everybody's different. You might think you're all the same. You're not. You're all very, very different. And part of living your life is acceptance of other people, acceptance of their strength, acceptance of their weakness, acceptance of who they are. And you hope and that you're also getting that, that, you know, reciprocally. And I would just say that the same way you're looking at that person and having a hard time, there's a very good chance they're looking at you and having a hard time too. Right. At the end of the day, because you're very different than they are. They wish you weren't so organized and so like this. They wish you were a little bit more relaxed and chill and it's not so important. All of our perceived milas, sometimes maybe, you know, for somebody else's a chasarin. So when you internalize that and you have a real acceptance of that and you have a good working relationship on that as well. Wonderful. Have a great night. One more? You want to do one more? What time is it? Is it late? One more quick one? Okay, we'll do a very quick one. Okay, fine. Okay, so we'll do it on this. Okay, one more quick one. Fine. Okay, she wants to know, I was always taught that Amida could be touching many different kohos and nefesh in a person. Amida? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, it's impossible to just decide to change Amida just because I decided. Don't you need to know why a person do- does what he does? For example, why I'm not calm maybe because I don't have a muna or it could be because I lack calm. Yes. 
Okay, this is not fast, but, <laughs> but, but let's take a second here. Yes, 100%. I, I, I'm going to say it as follows, okay? There's, there's, I'll give you the short answer, and I think this question should be repeated next time for a little bit more context. The short answer to this question is, there's the front end of things, and then there's the back end of things. And this person's 100% right. Oftentimes, a person's, I don't want to call it a motivation, but the underlying, um, I don't want to call it a disease, but the underlying reason for what's going on out here, the underlying systemic issue that's creating this symptom is whatever it may be. It could be that the person doesn't have enough self-esteem. It could be the person was went through a trauma and abuse. It could be the person lacks hamuna. There could be a million reasons why this is manifesting itself in this way. And in a certain sense, there's almost two ways of approaching this. One is, I would call it like a behavioral modification therapy which is rather than trying to figure out why it is that you're lazy and rather than trying to figure out why it is that you're angry or why, you, you just do it. You, you change the behavior, you modify the behavior, and that will be, be the therapy. Through that, you will resolve whatever is going on on the back end. Sometimes a person can't do that because they're just literally stuck and they have to first unearth what's going on in the back end. Oh my gosh, the reason I'm lazy is because when I was two years old, I saw my father sleeping once late and therefore, he missed Malin Krishman. I, I can't focus. I can't, I can't function. And then they resolve that. They go through that in their mind. And then all of a sudden, they're able to, you know, move past this, this struggle. I would argue, not a mental health professional. Okay. So don't take this as tax advice or mental health advice. Okay. Um, I would argue that eight out of 10 times, a person who focuses on the future, the behavioral modification model, they're forward focusing they oftentimes will be able to live very successful and lives that will actually change because they're focused on moving forward. And Mamela, they will relinquish whatever it is that's going backwards. Oftentimes, people need to speak to a professional therapist and sometimes they need hypnosis, sometimes they need brain spotting, sometimes they need other things in order to be able to go back and delve into the recesses of their psyche to understand why it is that they're doing whatever it is that they're doing. And that can sometimes be very helpful but I find that oftentimes people think they need therapy. They don't need therapy. They need to evolve. They need to change. They need to move forward. And if they're able to move forward, then they will resolve a lot of what's going on. I find, I'll use couples again as an example, that very often couples spend so much time figuring out why they did what they did and who did what they did and who is at fault. They spend months and years trying to figure out who whose face is being plastered on the fridge as being the culprit. Like who needs to have their face on the side of the milk carton? Like they are guilty. And in the meantime, their relationship is just falling apart more and more because they're, they're so focused on looking backwards and they're so focused on the negative. So yes, if a person wants to go through that exercise with a professional, by all means, go ahead and do that. But if you're not going to actively change also, so then you'll figure out why it is that you're lazy, but what are you doing about being lazy? You know what I'm saying? You have to also move forward. So at a minimum, this will help a person move forward. And at a maximum, it will actually resolve a lot of the issues just simply by moving forward rather than looking backwards. But again, this is not intended to treat, prevent, or cure any diseases. So um, if somebody does need to speak to a medical professional, they definitely, definitely should. It's a good way to end this year. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.